Now, I guess this story is familiar to many of us. But just kind of go back a little bit and think about what had happened before this incident. And we're going to come to that in a second. But I want you to imagine for a minute someone uh, you know well, maybe a brother or a sister or a parent or someone, gets a new car. Okay, and they're dead chuffed with this new car. All right? Maybe it's a brand spanking new car or just new to you and you're dead chuffed with it. And I know a couple of people recently have, have, have had a, a new car to them. And that person who is dead proud of their new car because they spent a lot of money on it and they've taken care of it, they've polished it and vacuumed it and, and kept it nice. And they say to you, do you want to drive? And you think, ooh, okay, cool. And so you take it out for a drive and you think, oh, this is very nice. I, I can see why they bought this nice new car. And you're going along and all of a sudden, you crash this new car that's been entrusted to you. What do you think? Tell me, what do you think as you crash this car? Maybe this has happened to somebody. What do you think, Mary? Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you're just like, oh, ground, swallow me up. What have I done? And you go back, pale-faced, absolutely just full of, of remorse and just, oh, to the, to the person that's loaned you the car. And, and I am so sorry. I just didn't see it coming. That wall just jumped out at me. And, and you say, I'm just so sorry. And you can tell that they're kind of upset. They're not happy. And yet, they are really generous to you. They just say, hey, it's okay. I'm glad that you are all right. We'll sort the car out. It was an accident. And you kind of keep going, because I know I would, just replaying the incident over and over again. But you know that they've kind of, they've forgiven you. They've said it's okay. Then a month or so later, you see them again, and they say to you, after you've apologised yet again for having bashed their car up, they say, do you know, I've, I've got a long journey to do, and I wonder, would you drive me? And you kind of think, <gasps> what do you say? Carlos is saying, no, not a chance. But maybe you'd say, yeah, okay, thank you. It would feel scary, but would it not also feel just good to be trusted again with something that you had made a mess of? Maybe it's a laboured point, but Peter, one of Jesus' trusted friends, just before this story, just before Jesus had been killed. They're at dinner and Jesus says, somebody here is going to blow me out. They're going to betray me. Peter says, never, no way. And just hours later, just when Jesus thought he had a trusted friend left, Peter does just what Jesus said. 
We read in Luke's Gospel that Peter was absolutely devastated. He wept bitterly when he realised what a mess he'd made. And then we meet Jesus again here in John 21. Risen from the dead. Done what he'd come to do. He's done what he said he would. To die, to take upon himself the sin of the world. And you know, sometimes I think with Easter, we can think, well, that's it, that's great. Celebrate Easter, well, hey, we can remember that. That's a really good thing. We can sing really triumphant songs on Easter Day. Then we just get on with the rest of our lives. We can think, well, yeah, I've been sorted out for eternity because Jesus died for me. But is that all there is to it? Is that the sum of Easter Day? See, I think this story points to something more. Jesus, having broken the ice by giving food, he says to Peter, do you love me, Peter? And I guess there must have been a bit of an elephant in the room on the beach there, you know, that kind of, well, is he going to mention it or not? And he doesn't directly, according to the story. But you see that there is forgiveness there. But you know, there's more than just a slate wiped clean. There's more than just, it's okay, Peter. Although that is incredible, isn't it? That all the sin that Peter committed, all the sin that you and I commit, all the times we turn away from God, is wiped clean at the cross. It's more than just a relationship restored, although that's amazing too. But you see, Jesus has a job for Peter. Back in in chapter 20, he says, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then here in chapter 21, Feed my lambs. And then as they grow, Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. Jesus picks up on this image of him being a good shepherd. And also this instruction, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And just by the way, looking after sheep was not a kind of a fluffy, jolly, kind of touchy-feely sort of a, a nice job. It was a tough job. That was a hard job. It was a dangerous job back then. It's a tough job now. I was up at Jeff Cracknell's farm where they were kind of popping out lambs by the dozen, it seemed. And they were run ragged as the lambs were coming out, some good, some very poorly, all all hours of day and night, it seems. Keeping them safe, keeping them fed, keeping them together. And that's without wolves. There There aren't many wolves in Langport, but... You know, when Jesus was talking to Peter, that was, a, that was a big deal to be a shepherd. But Jesus is kind of saying to Peter, look, don't just sit in the glow of my forgiveness. Learn from me. Do what I have done. Continue what I have done. Be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. It's funny, I wrote that word ambassador down as as I was preparing for this. And then Brad 
This morning was talking about these youngsters being ambassadors for the Toy Box charity. And actually that's a, a really helpful image. Those young people being ambassadors, helping others to grow within that charity and within the, the homes that they've been given. And actually that's a risky thing, to be an ambassador for God. It's not always an easy thing. might even feel more daunting than being given the offer to drive this friend's car that you've already bashed. You might be thinking, whoa, hang on a minute. That's not for me. But actually, each of us who follows Jesus, we're invited to respond to God's generosity by living lives that honour him in our workplace and in our home, among friends and family. Being part of God's family means getting stuck in, not just kind of sitting as a guest at the table. Guests, it's quite right that they are served. But members of the family, we get stuck in. And so we need to hear, as Peter is welcomed back into the fold, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of them. In those words, there's a commission for each of us. To keep going, not just stop at being saved by the love and grace of God, but to serve him and to honour him. To do a job, whether it's a little job, giving a little money to Eric, whether it's about seeing little things, whether that's building. And and I I do hope that some of those sunflowers grow. Because it would be such a cool image for us over the next few weeks to just see the seed grow to the little plantlet, to the big thing. And obviously, probably some of you here will have planted other things. Just see the growth. And ask God as you see the growth in the spring, just where am I to be growing? Where am I to be feeding the lambs? Where am I to be tending sheep? Where am I to be serving and and doing God's kingdom work? As we dive into the book of Acts in the coming weeks, we'll see how God was at work amongst ordinary men and women, just like you and me. Peter was a fisherman. He was unschooled. He was an ordinary man. Nothing special other than his desire to follow Jesus. And when he fell off to come back, and follow Jesus again. Let's just be quiet as we just have a think for a moment. Just continuing the celebration of Easter three weeks ago. Where are we today? Where are we headed? And then we'll continue in prayer. Let's just be quiet for a moment though.